Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today and tomorrow and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. These podcasts are designed to help you see and work with people who live their own lives enthusiastically and have a lot to contribute to the way that you lead your life. And today we're especially proud and inspired to have James Roberts with us. James is a really terrific guy aside from all that he's accomplished. He was born with a congenital disability called femoral dysplasia and a floating hip of the left leg, as well as scoliosis of the spine. So not what we would consider a great start. But despite that, he's become a world-class Paralympic athlete for over a decade. He's now doing online training and nutrition coaching. James is a resident in North Wales, so one of the first guests we have from across the pond. He's been lucky over the years to have represented Great Britain in countless world championships and two Paralympics games in Beijing and in London, and he's got lots of other accomplishments, but we've got a limited amount of time on this podcast, and we want to hear from you. So, James, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Ron, thank you very much for the introduction. It's my pleasure for being your first international guest. Yeah, it's it's a real joy and an inspiration, as I'm sure it will be for other people. Before we go much further, though, James, I mentioned the fact that you're a Paralympic athlete. I'm sure many of us know what that means, but perhaps you can explain it for those who, who don't. The simple terms for that, Ron, for those that don't know, well, the, the only difference really, or the parallel, and that's the sense of the word, is equivalent to the Olympics. So as opposed to the Olympics being for able-bodied individuals, the Paralympics is for the disability community. And I pointed out that, that your start wouldn't necessarily have predicted that you would have gone that route. I think for a lot of people, if they grow up with the, the fact that they, they've got their upper body in good shape, their brain is, is functioning well, they can look at a lifetime of being pretty sedentary uh, and feel that they've accomplished a fair amount. You chose to go a different route. And I'm, I'm wondering at what age or what influences were there in your background that made you decide, hey, I'm going to do something that's, that's really outstanding that involves my body? You raise a good point there, Ron, in terms of what inspired me to go down that route. To accomplish what I did, in all honesty, I didn't expect it <laughs> sitting here now. If you talk to me 20 years plus ago, would I have to achieve that I have done on paper? I'd have said probably not. But the, the what probably inspired me to go down that route in the first place, probably my parents, uh, my upbringing, both my parents were in the armed forces. So that is probably part and parcel, well, the well-being kind of perspective. Uh, I think towards the nutritional aspects, it was my mom went on, well, what I would say is a fad diet now, but it became 
part and parcel of my everyday life. So for me, copying and being taught the basics in a, in, in, in a nutshell of proper nutrition and a bi- balanced diet, I probably take it for granted to a certain extent now. But because I was taught those basics, be it nutrition, exercise, uh, and mental well-being, I know no different. Okay, we can discuss it a little bit later into the show. I did d- deviate off that path to a certain extent. Uh, and when people say, oh, I'm going to do the same, I kind of gravitate. Well, I've gone further down this dark path that you're talking about. I would advise you not to. But coming back to your initial question, I think it's my upbringing and my environment and to a certain extent, probably hardwired from a genetical standpoint, be it most members of my family, you go back generations with sports to some extent. So I guess it's, it's, it's following, be it, is, it, is it nature or is it nurture? I would say it's probably a com- combination of the two. Okay, and I believe you uh, you actually grew up on a NATO base, didn't you? And I was wondering if just the exposure to the activities on that base contributed in any way. I would say so because you get accustomed to being seeing your older states person, be it people in their twenties, thirties, forties, probably upwards in the fifties, maybe sixties, exercising. I think when you're younger, you take it for granted because it's play. I think it's hardwired into you straight away. Well, I like this. The people that are hang around do it anyway. So it only became natural for me to emulate it, want to copy it and make it, in a sense, a part of my identity. And what sports did you particularly emphasize in your competitive life? Oof, we go right back, and most people don't know this. The sport, the first sport I ever took part in was karate, and that would have been about the age of eight. Uh, I think because of the American influence on that NATO base, I did 10-pin bowling for three years, and then obviously went on to swimming, and, and kind of my career in itself kind of took off. And, and obviously I've done... Uh, rowing, volleyball at an international standard, obviously, as well as the swimming. And then now, since I've come back to the UK, I will be entering my, I think it's my seventh season when we, well, we started last week, preseason, this coming season in, into, in wheelchair basketball. So I've done a multitude of sports down the year. Jeez. And how, how's your basketball team been doing? We, well, we were national champions. Uh, the level we compete at last season. So we've been promoted with the first team and the second team being promoted as well. So I don't know whether or not we consolidate or probably how we've gone about pre-season so far. It's probably going on the offensive and and try to take teams on and try and catch them off guard. So we might catch a few teams by surprise and have a few upsets, but you don't know. It's it, You can only... And this is probably the better way of looking at it from a, a mental aspect. You can only prepare yourself. You, you can't control the uncontrollables. You take control of what you can have control of. The uncontrollers will take care of themselves. So I think if we stay within those parameters and, uh, and act upon them like we did last season, I think we'll be fine. Well, good luck. And I know the one thing that you can control is whether you're going to 
participate or not. You know that you're not going to accomplish anything if you don't. And so, again, you should be real, real proud of your continuing participation, which raises a question that you mentioned that I wasn't aware of, that it sounds like somewhere in this process that it wasn't a a smooth, straight line of always being active or always being committed. I, I don't want you to tell me more than you need to, but I'm just wondering, you know, for those of us who in any quest, whether it be physical, mental or whatever, start running into these self-doubts or looking at things and saying, you know, why am I doing this? Or, uh, you know, there, there are other opportunities. Can you tell us a little bit about what went into any deviation from the straight line? Oh, I think the one that first comes to mind, Ron, is probably as a teenager and everybody's been there. It's that you, you're going to always have that element of self-doubt because you're trying to find yourself. So I think that is the first instance of myself and questioning who I am what am I doing kind of basis. Uh, I think for me at that particular moment in time, it was questioning not how I fitted in within society, but be it being okay with the disability per se myself. And that's obviously now looking upon it almost 20 years later, maybe a little bit more. He's thinking, well, that's a part of your identity. That's what makes you who you are. And I think where maybe people don't have a disability can resonate with this is not being accepting of one's flaws. It's, it's, everybody wants to change it because society doesn't accept people looking a certain way or be it they've become accustomed and to a certain extent brainwashed to be what popular culture has dictated to them. So for, I think for me, and I did a po- Facebook post about it yesterday because uh, I thought it was poignant to reestablish people that were coming new into into within my social media. Or oh, this is me. This is where I've come from, and I'm okay with who I am. But I think at that particular time, going back to your question, and this has always perplexed me to this day. I didn't like wearing shorts in a social gathering kind of perspective, be at school. But on the one, uh, on the other hand, I would be okay in a sporting context, which still doesn't make sense because I don't know if it's because I'm confident and very much competent and fully immersed in what I'm doing that I'm okay in that that environment. I could care less what people think. Whereas on the other hand, would be in, in the social norms, kind of take the other approach, and you are very much orientated towards other people's opinions. Okay, I've thus got over my fact because I did question it to myself or who who is the victim in all this by you wearing jeans in this, uh, the hotter months of the year. And I think that was easy because it's like, well, me, <laughs> nobody should have a bearing on that. And I changed, be it a, a, a switch went off. It's like, well, what are you going to do about it? What's going to change within that mental way of thinking that you, you're portraying? But I think more recently, I've kind of deviated off that. And that's when I was working full time and you were going to go on to the subject of why I do online. I was working in the education sector. So that is stress in itself. Uh, same with obviously your profession within healthcare. You kind of put yourself on the back burner and you look after everybody else. So be it my nutrition wasn't the best and people would be quite horrified to hear this, but I'll be honest and transparent as I can. Sleeping wasn't great. So stress was 
elevated, be it because I was concentrating on other people. I knew at the beginning of that process, what I was doing wasn't the best, but I was like, oh, I'll be okay. I won't do it for a long period of time. And I think this went over a period of, I'm going to say about six to 12 months. And as you, as a doctor will know, that's probably escalated from something minute to something that had a massive psychological impact on, on everything that I did. So I had uh, problems with anxiety to a certain extent. I wouldn't say I got depressed, but I was very recluse accidentally. So I was compounding the issue by doing these small little, I'll call them blips on, on the radar to a certain extent and just compounding the issue more and more and more. And I think it, got, it did take to hit rock bottom before I obviously did anything about it. That was a great answer because it, it kicked off a lot of stuff in, in my head uh, as follows. One is I think it's terrific that you can disclose some of this stuff and let people know that, hey, this isn't necessarily smooth, that everybody who accomplishes things has some doubts along the way, and that doesn't mean you have to be stuck in those doubts. Another thing was the emphasis seemed to be at, at one point on just what the the disability was. In other words, uh, rather than seeing yourself as a total person, there was the assumption that the most important thing was to cover up your leg. Uh, whereas, you know, in my work with chronic headache patients, that's one of the major things we have to get to look at is the fact that, hey, they're a person with headaches, but the definition shouldn't be as a patient and that the headaches shouldn't be central in their lives. And I think, again, a lot of the stuff that you're saying can serve as a real inspiration for others. And I, I'm wondering, uh, a number of people who listen to this podcast are in the older age ranges. While they may not have uh, particular impairments uh, that limit them physically, they've kind of been self-limiting for a big part of their lives, sometimes with acceptable reasons that they've been busy raising families, providing for families. but one day they may look in the mirror and see, uh, hey, that stomach is bigger than they they had planned for it to be. Or they're taking a walk with some other people and the other people don't get winded like they do. If somebody, first of all, is there a time when it's too late to start working on some of this stuff? And if not, what advice do you have for older people who haven't had Physical activity is a major part of their identity. Well, I think there's no time like the present. There is, to a certain extent, and you'll agree with this, Ron, there is no time limit on change. It, it, obviously, now that you you obviously have more and more time, be it because you're on your old, your old age, you, you may be in retirement, you've got more time to, in a, in a nutshell, I'll call it me time. You, you've got t that time specifically assigned to do whatever you want, whenever you want. So when is the, there is no perfect time to be it change your nutrition, your lifestyle, your fitness, but it comes down to you wanting to have that initial trigger to want to change it. And obviously the bigger one be at that age, age range and obviously momentous part of your life is is being there for a bit 
your daughter's sons, grandchildren, and maybe even the great grandchildren, you want to be able to spend as much time with those family members as you can. So that trigger and that probably emphasis towards change and your 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 greater point of doing it, your why is probably magnified to an enormous extent relative to probably somebody of my age, because it will be, I think to a certain extent, most arguments or things I'll hear to a certain extent, it's superficial. It's, I want to have a six pack. I want to look good in swimwear. I want to look, that, that's to a certain extent, there's only going to get you so far from a motivational point of view. Whereas I think because the argument of change at a later stage in life it's one that people don't want to reconcile and actually look at, be it what is to come and, and death. But because you, you you are closer to that and be the okay, the alternate other alternative is probably disease, be it cancer or, or something of that nature. You've got a finite existence. This is going to happen. I need to put into place my bucket list, so to speak because I want to achieve the things that I set out in life that I wanted to do, you're going to do it. So I would say, look at it from that perspective. And I think that is probably the better way of looking at it because you may have not been well, as active as I was being growing up. That's okay. But why, why can't you instill what I sense is a behavior or a habit? And that's the only difference. I instilled it at a younger age. And I don't know any different. Yeah, I mean, this is great advice. And I can only attest to the fact that being healthy and alive and able to interact with grandchildren is a real positive motivator. But there's so many others, too, especially given the fact that the lifespan is expanding. There are, you know, if, if you're going to look forward to 20 or 30 years after retirement, you know, make it a positive thing. You don't want to be a slave to preventable diseases. You don't want to reduce longevity. And there's so many things that you can do by following your advice. So let me find out. I mean, we've been talking in some generalities, but but what do you do specifically? What do you do on a daily basis in your job? It's very much, it had a focus on probably re-education nutritionally because people have their ideology set in stone, be it carbs are bad, fat's bad, don't know a lot about protein and things like that. So it's re-educating and giving them all the tools that I've been fortunate to be learning from an athletic standpoint, uh, an educational standpoint, and just probably trial and error, reinstilling that. Well, you've been told this to a certain extent. Some of that is a mess. Some of it's total crap. But I'm not going to hold it against you because you don't know any better. It's been, you're taking be what's in the news, what you're able to find as gospel, but obviously people that are more knowledgeable within those fields, we know where to find the right information and we will challenge certain things. It might be, well, one argument will give me A. Okay, let me find B and I'll come up with my own answer. Be it if I don't agree with those, the twos, uh, abstracts that I've been able to find myself. And so it's very much that, but I think it's rewiring people's behaviors and habits. And I'll use an iceberg analogy. You, you can obviously see the top of the iceberg, but the one that does the most damage is under the surface. So if we can look to solve what is underneath surface level and what is probably deep-rooted subconsciously, you do it without thinking, be it behaviors, habits, 
and they become programmed is, is picking away at those and giving you new ones be be it i don't know uh the example i use is probably aimlessly wandering into the kitchen it's probably a great one if you actually was aware of the fact that what you were doing you'd probably think to yourself well why have i come in here for and it's because you're systematically programmed to, because you've made a, a habit and a behavior, you do it subconsciously. It would be, what, uh, what did I actually come in here for? Uh, and generally it would be, it'd be to, to not binge, but rummage be very much of, of that nature. But if you're able to take that step back, be aware of what you're doing you're going to be better suited to be able to keep going forward. So we, so we look to pick away at that. And, and that's an essence of, I look to probably be a little bit more autonomous. It'd be, it's making you be accountable to yourself because I think nobody likes to be in that position where they were at school and being shouted at or being put down. Well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you not changing? If I get to question you and you come up with the solution, you're better place to be able to make that change. And can this be effectively done online as opposed to somebody coming to an office or a gym or something like that? I think so, because if it's still it's still a communication at the end of the day. It's not quote unquote face to face. But what I will do is I'll do it very much like this. So when I speak to my clients on a weekly basis, it will be via Zoom, Skype, those kind of platforms where I can have this conversation face-to-face and you have to be truthful with me because you've got to look me in the eye. Whereas I think there is obviously the, the, that shift towards everything is to a certain extent going online like we touched upon before we started recording. And it's just having that mental shift beat away from, well, this was the norm online will eventually be the norm. So I think it's very much getting your head around that change. And and obviously that's more difficult for certain generations than others, be it, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. So it's, it's very, it's very difficult. It's like, well, that is how it was done. You can take certain aspects of it and reapply them in, in this online platform. And, and not losing sight of facts of proper communication. It's, it, it, I think the, the, the generation that follows me is very heavily tech orientated, but to a certain extent, most of them can't communicate. So it's in a sense, bridging the gap between the two. It's very much having that conversational approach, but I can be anywhere in the world and it doesn't matter be the time difference, the location aspect it bridges the communities together. It'd be very much looking at that. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. You can work with anybody. Okay. I'll try not to take personally that thing about the generations because, uh, oh, there's no, there's no uh, intended. I, I still get over, uh, my amazement of being able to click on my phone and see you on live. And <laughs> some of the things that, that, that happen. But most importantly, how do, how do people find you if, if they're interested in, uh, as I think many should be, in following some of your advice and uh, being part of your community? Well, that's pretty easy, Ron. Be it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, if anybody's on LinkedIn within your, your community, 
it is all the same. If you typed in on that platform at James O. Roberts 11, you would find me. And also, like yourself, I do also have my own podcast by the name of the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Okay, and we'll include all this information in the show notes too, so people will do it. But it's James O. Roberts 11. The 11 refers to what? It was my jersey number nationally uh, when I competed in the volleyball team. So I kept it because it, it was very much significant to me. As well. and, and I think at the time of doing, I think it was Twitter, I couldn't have what I wanted because it was already taken. Be it, I think I was going to go with just James Roberts, but it, somebody already had it. So I had to go, okay, let's put my middle initial. Oh, no luck there. So I had to do, I did I had to go to resort to what do we do? Do we put my date of birth or do we do something is significant to me and use this point? I don't have that number <laughs> anymore, but that was very much, that's why it's there. Okay. <laughs> Explains it pretty significant to you. And as I understand it, I think you've got a special challenge going on or will soon be starting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The challenge I'll be running, Ron, will be for people to prepare for be it Christmas parties, uh, be it the beginning of December, and that will start. I'm looking to start that program with its initial intake at the beginning of September. So that is on an ongoing process of be it if this comes out at a later date than the September, do reach out to me and we will get you started on that on that plan. And obviously there's a deadline be it you would have in place, be it Christmas party in mind, and we will look to, to get you as conditioned and well, you shouldn't take conditioned as a sporting term, get you in the best state, state of mind, both mentally and physically, to be confident in the body that you're, you're going to take to that Christmas party. Great. That's, I, I'm sure that that's going to appeal to a lot of people. We're almost out of time, but I do have one other question that, occurred to me and I hope it's in your ballpark but I'm wondering for parents who are raising a child who may have some type of uh, physical impairment you know who may not automatically be encouraged to keep themselves in shape or uh, again they, they may have grown up with a lot of emphasis on what they can't do and what the limitation is and seeing uh, a lot of physicians and so on. I know I'm asking a, a very nebulous question, but in general, what kind of advice might you give to parents of, who, are, who want to raise a physically as well as mentally fit child? I would say, and I'm not going to put my own experience on somebody else and leverage what I, obviously what my parents did for me. If you put limiting beliefs on anybody, you're kind of putting a ceiling on what they're capable of doing. So I think it's, Having an open-mindedness to, if somebody from a healthcare perspective say they can't do that, that's only going on a case-by-case -case average. There's people that are obviously going to excel and go beyond what was initially thought as incapable, and there's some that are going to fall below that. But putting that idea, an actual element of thought into that child's brain, I'll, I'll, I'll say, probably not best served because they're like a sponge. So they're going to absorb that information. It's like, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. 
and you've wrapped, wrapped them in cotton wool, where do, what do they turn out as an adults? They can't, they, they, they're going to be very much in a state of, and this is the same with an able-bodied person. If you did the same, they're incapable of looking after themselves. So, so you're compounding the fact to a certain extent from a dis- depending on the severity of the disability, you're compounding that factor. But the, uh, the example is the same. You, you put that, I'll say concrete ceiling to anybody. They're only going to be able to reach so far. Whereas I think you come with an open mindedness as, and this is probably how I operate in very much flexibility, adaptation kind of orientation. I'll use the, the quote, the sky's the limit. I set how far I go and, and, and see if it's actually attainable and then adapt from there. If it's not, and I'll go back to maybe myself in, in elementary school now, that that thought process never crossed my mind. I was on the outside looking in at my peers at, gosh, I may be like five, six, seven years old. If I had had that same complexity of thought process that I'm describing and having that limiting belief, I would sit be sat on the side. And so I'm very much taking myself out of the norm straight away and I'm, I'm making that worse. Whereas I wasn't in that position, you could kind of see the thought process and the, and the cogs turning around in my head. Well, how do I overcome this obstacle? And within a couple of days later, I'd, I'd overcome it. So I think it's very much looking at it from that basis that I would get people to look at things, be very open-minded and say, well, what has the person got to lose? So it's real easy to uh, see where where the name of your podcast came from. <laughs> the mindset is so important. And for parents of, of uh, children who are growing up, building that mindset really depends on your attitude, how much they hear of what they can do. And then at some point, you take over for yourself and, and it's your mindset that, that determines how far you can go. This has been absolutely terrific, James. I'm so glad that uh, you agreed to be a podcast guest of mine so early in this development and, again, my first international one. So before we quit, I'd like you to once more let us know how we get in touch with you and the name of your podcast. And, again, it'll be on the show notes. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, James O. Roberts 11. And you can find my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And the name of that show is The Mindset Athlete Podcast. Okay, terrific. And for those of you who uh, have suggestions for future guests or want to be in touch with me in any way, once again, my website and the way to reach me is through ron.kaiser at thementalhealthgym.com. The Mental Health Gym is my website. We've had an absolutely terrific conversation with James Roberts. I think we can all gain from it. And until the next time we meet, let's maintain that positive mindset, live enthusiastically every day of your life.